0: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we're here this week to talk about a comprehensive 2-0 victory against Fulham. But before we get to that, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify and follow us on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Now, this week, to talk about the game, I am joined once again by both of my faithful co-hosts coming to us from... The epicenter of american cinema atlanta georgia he is judging your letterbox reviews it's ben daniels ben would you like to use this as an opportunity to tell our listeners about motion smoothing
1: <laughs> yeah save your geriatric parents from uh ruining their viewing experiences with these straight out of the box best buy tvs
0: little disappointed you didn't use this you didn't frame it in terms of the magic of cinema and you know the integrity of the artist vision but you know we'll get there
1: Thanks. I actually had a recent experience with my father-in-law where he bought a new TV. He's watching it with motion smoothing on, and I was like trying to explain why it's bad, and he was like, "Oh, it sounds like it's good. It smooths it out. It, adds, it makes it better." And the only way I could get him to like accept that it wasn't good was to compare it to AI. I was like, "They're just they're just making up extra frames, like AI." Is just adding in extra images that aren't real. He's like, "Oh, AI is bad. I don't trust. I don't trust. <laughs> I don't trust computers to do that." Yeah, well, we'll turn that off. That's scary.
0: Yeah, that's why Tom Cruise is fighting it. That's right. Um, and someone else who's living in the the glitz and glamour of America, but he's in South Florida, not Atlanta. It is Brian Ashlock. Brian, uh, Ben only gave Scarface a three star review on Letterbox. How do you feel about that?
2: Um I mean obviously that's a gross underrating of the best American cinema film ever. Uh, <laughs> I mean in the category of cocaine movies. Um, it's <laughs> What what, what? Co- co- yeah. cocaine cinema Cocai-y. film
1: movies. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's just ahead of Cocaine Bear. Um so I would, look it's a it's a packed field so I can understand um, you know, why Ben would have maybe slept on it a little bit, but, uh, I mean, it offends me greatly.
1: First ben, how I do you feel? never would have like, done
0: uh, that. Do you, you want to make it up to Brian? Tell him how you feel about Blow?
1: Yeah, Blow is great. But I never <laughs> would have done that to Scarface. I love Brian De Palma. We're all happy to see Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. Among,
2: among other things.
1: A classic of dorm room cinema. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right up there with, like, Boondock Saints and uh, Snatch. some other classics of American cinema.
0: Well, on that uh, cinematic note, I think it's time to move <laughs> on to another beautiful picture, which is our victory against Fulham. I don't know. I was trying. Uh, yeah, Spurs Spurs 1-2-0 against Fulham. This was, I think, some of our best play um, that we've seen this year in the first half, which I think has been a little weirdly overlooked in the discourse. Uh, ben, how, how, how did you think we looked when we came out against Fulham?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there were definitely some third act problems with the picture, but the opening was, was right. stellar. <laughs> like, you started this.
0: Yeah, the mise-en-scene <laughs> of the game was really what you want to see, but some of the performances weren't quite up to the standard of the direction. Yeah, you know, vision. look,
1: I mean, some of our character actors, like Richarlison, really, really shined uh, on the day. You know, it wasn't all about the stars.
0: Um, Son was mailing it in, but really delivered a monologue or two. <laughs> he had his chance.
1: Um,
0: all right, I'm done with this. Uh,
1: yeah, no, it was a it was a very, very strong performance. Like, once again, against weakened up weak opposition, so it doesn't actually count. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for most of the game, we beat the brakes off of Fulham and played very... Exciting swashbuckling liquid football to do it. Um, you know, Fulham gave us a lot of time on the ball. James Madison was popping up all over the pitch,
0: getting on the ball early and just like spraying the ball around. Uh, which was new. That's not, we, we haven't seen him do this before, I feel, or at least drop this deep before. We've seen
1: it against, like, I think against Luton when they went down a man against, I but I, 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 I feel Fools like the, when they were down men, like.
0: It wasn't, like, a situational thing. He was just doing it all match, which that's what I felt like was new. The degree to which he was doing it.
1: We've seen it more when teams are, like, a little more bunkered. Like, we've tried to get on the ball early. And that's, you know, happened a couple times, again, playing uh, a man up. But this was definitely the first time when we were, like, in free-flowing football mode and James Madison was just chilling deep. Uh, I think, honestly, like, the presence of Hoybjerg contributed to that a little bit because it's, like... They were able to interchange, and Hojbjerg is able to kind of do some Madison-y things a little further forward in a way that Basuma can't. Um, Hojbjerg is another guy who I thought had a very, very good game. Um, But, yeah, I think having a second guy who has that kind of range of passing and a little bit of vision um, definitely allowed Madison to play a little differently. I thought it was interesting how we rolled with the fact that you know, a guy who's arguably our player of the season, one of the most important guys on the, on the team wasn't available. Um, and how that kind of impacted, you know, everything else. We didn't try to play the same kind of football we would have had Basuma been there. It's nice to see that flexibility from, from Big Ange.
0: I mean, Fulham are trash and not very good. And frankly, they're pretty lucky that there's at least two teams worse than them this year to give them slightly better odds for relegation. But like, Considering that, like, one of our key players who's a real important defensive cog for this team wasn't here, I was a little surprised at just how passive they were. I mean, Brian, is this... I don't know, like, were were you surprised just how much freedom we had on the ball in this match?
2: Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, I think, in theory, the way that Fulham's play is probably the right way to play against us at least for some of these teams you kind of play this sort of passive mid block and force us to try to break you down um and you know you do, you're you not pressing when we're inviting you to and not opening up lanes and channels um I think we saw kind of Sheffield United kind of do that against us and um I, I think that was probably the right approach. Um, but but like you guys are saying, I think we just were executing so better. Um, you know, Madison and Son um, looked good. Richarlison played really well. Um, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I I think we can kind of expect this sort of tactic from the these lower to mid table teams kind of the rest of the season.
0: But I thought we handled it a lot better. Or I, I would even yeah, say going definitely. back to the Luton match, like this was something that gave us fits early in the season. I mean, you might want to toss out the Brentford match where they were just like packing it in because it was the first match of the season, and I think there were other things going on, but we had issues against Brentford. We had issues, you know, against Sheffield United. And I think the last two matches, at least while before we had the man sent off against Luton, you know, spent Spurs seem to have worked out a little bit how to play teams that are going to sit back against us. Ben, do you think that's true, or am I just are these just bad teams? Because
1: yeah, I think you know, like Brian said, you know, one of the things that we kind of rely on is baiting that press high up the pitch to allow kind of like pseudo transition opportunities that moves very quickly from back to front. And Fulham didn't really take the bait on that um, the way you want them to. Um, but I think we did a very good job allowing actual transitions to happen. And our press, I think was very effective in creating turnovers higher up the pitch and in the middle of the park um, that let us break quickly uh, without exposing us to too much trouble. It wasn't like, especially in the first like 50, 60 minutes Fulham was not like generating chances that we were countering from. We were just letting them play a little bit in the midfield to then take the ball and move it on. I mean, the, and I can't remember if it was the first or second goal where Madison presses Bassey high in the corner and, you know, forces that turnover um, that Vandeven I think Vandeven picks that one off. Um, you know, that was the kind of stuff we were doing really well. The press was, was really effective. Um, our fullbacks were huge contributors in, you know, again, defending in midfield and then contributing further up the pitch. Uh, Udagi and Poro both had... Excellent matches. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're just starting to figure out how to handle when plan A doesn't work without throwing out the whole shape of our system.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, I think the other thing is, you know, Fulham were, like, individually pretty bad, like, for most of the game. Bassey had a really rough game. Tim Ream is, you know... Tim Ream, uh, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed with the midfield. I mean, you've got Paulinho who was all very close to a move to Bayern Munich, and he definitely
0: didn't look like you know a fifty million pound midfielder. Well, uh, and also very lucky the referee didn't realize he could give him yellow cards.
2: Yeah, no, that he was very fortunate. I mean, the one on Udoge was uh, was uh, not great. Um, so I don't know. I, I think. I think this is a really good performance, and I think, you know, the, the us trying to, like, minimize it or downplay it just because it was Fulham, like, I don't know. That doesn't serve me as a fan. Like, I, I'm much more, I just want to enjoy these three points. I want to enjoy three points against Luton. Like, you know, th- this is just us continuing to play like this and continuing to win games just is keeping the vibes up, right? Like, and and yeah, sure, we're banking points and, you know, we're winning the games that we should win and all those other things. But, like, so much of this season has been we're vibes FC, right? And it, it, not being vibes FC as soon as we lose, just because that's how we as Spurs fans are. And so we've done a pretty good job of not allowing that to happen so far. And I just want to keep that going.
0: How do you guys feel about, I mean, there's been, I think it's other fans getting sort of tired of everyone talking about how likable Ange is and how well Spurs, I mean, we're in first place right now. I think that's irritating a lot of other fans. And you combine that with like, you know, your fair share of neurotic Spurs fans. And there's been... A fair amount of talk about, you know, we've played one of the easiest schedules in the Premier League. You know, we've only faced, you know, arguably the only two teams worth a damn we faced are Arsenal and uh, Liverpool and maybe Manchester United, if you're being generous. Um, You know, so there's a lot of talk about, you know, Spurs sort of performances and, uh, you know, progress. Pretenders to the throne. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you... Ben, we'll start with you, but how, how do you feel about that take?
1: I think it is
0: kind of silly in a way
1: that, like, it is not a conversation we have every season about, like, well, you ain't played nobody, this doesn't count. But I am getting increasingly anxious that that is the case. Like, we, you know, you can make a lot of excuses for the Liverpool game, you know, was one of the most egregious var mishaps in the history of sport and that's the only reason we won you know the only reason we managed to draw against arsenal was because Jorginho was playing and that's somehow our fault also <laughs> uh you know like and Manu's terrible uh, even though they're an eighth um But, like, it does make me nervous as the vibes keep going and as games like Fulham and Luton get away from us in the second half and, you know, we aren't just, like, comfortably pantsing anybody 5-0 and calling it a day. Like, we're setting up... Like, the thing that I'm scared of is we have Crystal Palace next and we are now poised to play Chelsea undefeated and sit here with our potential first loss of the season coming against Mauricio Pochettino. I don't want... Like that fills me with like such existential anxiety that I am starting to believe the the negative hype.
2: But uh, I feel so, like so so basically, you'd rather lose against Crystal Palace is what. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: no, we're never. Um, it's fine. We're gonna I, win. We're gonna have an invincible season. It's fine.
0: But I feel like you're right there revealing some of like the inherent weird neuroses oh, yeah. we have as fans because you know there's that we've talked about on this podcast. There's the sense of like, you know, if another team has good luck against us, well, that's just part of our deficiencies. And if we have good luck against another team, well, that's, you know, fucking an indictment of you, you know, it's like, I think like, you know, coming away from that Arsenal game, feeling anything but positive about Spurs is ridiculous. Like, Oh, Arsenal put a bad player on and a bad thing happened. Like, well, that's going to happen too. And also our good players made the bad thing happen. So, you know, there's, that and i think frankly you know well i don't want to like pretend there aren't things to work on but like i think again i think you zeroed in on something there that i've heard a lot of people saying it's like oh the fulham game got away from us like no we we didn't like beat the brakes off of fulham for 90 minutes i think at no point did that game get away from us like you know what i mean like yeah we could have looked better in the last 30 minutes and i understand if you're Ange, why you're gonna beat the team over the head with those last 30 minutes, like a stick because you got to find ways to motivate them. And, you know, you do want them playing better, but you know, I think you just like top to bottom. And again, you can only play who's in front of you. I think Spurs have generally sort of just delivered what you wanted to see this year. Like, you know, I think that was a comprehensive win against form. I think considering what happened in that Luton game, we looked pretty decent. Um, you know, again, you throw a game where a guy gets sent off to, and it's 10 men, on the road, even against Luton. That's a little, that's going to be, that's going to distort how you judge that game. The Liverpool game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we caught a lucky break against a really good team. I mean, it is what it is. Maybe Liverpool shouldn't get two guys sent off in the in the middle of a match. Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I understand your ex. I do understand. And I think it's justified. Your existential dread of, I don't want to lose in any circumstances to Mauricio Pochettino's Chelsea. Like, Somehow we found a way to make Chelsea even more vile and disgusting than they usually are. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like, are Spurs as good as they are in the league table right now? Probably not. They're probably not going to finish the season in first place, even though we are going to win the league. But, you know, I don't feel like, like the pretenders to the throne thing, it's not, I don't know. I don't feel like that's true. I think I think it's I don't think there's any performance this year where I'm just that worries me about this team. And maybe that's just because we're just so far ahead of schedule that the flaws don't bother me as much because I was expecting them to be much bigger. Well, I think
2: and maybe Ben can speak more to this uh, lived much more closely with it. But like this season has like Arsenal last year vibes like because I feel like at this point in the season last year. Yeah, I know. I know. I know like this point in the season last year, Arsenal were, were, were doing well. I think they were in second, maybe third at this stage, but they hadn't really played anybody. And so we were all like collectively like, Oh, well, what are they going to do if they have to, you know, play man city and they have to play, you know, us and Chelsea. And they just kind of kept doing it, um, you know, up until the end of the season where they injuries finally caught up with them. And, you know, I if that's how this season plays out for us, I'm very much on board with a second place finish. That you know, you know, where we're in contention up until like the last month of the season. Like that sounds great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think Spurs fans are getting like too far out over their skis on expectations. I think we're all maintaining like a level of reasonableness. I think I think what's happening is that media and journalists and everything are starting to to take us a little more seriously and and well, maybe not take us more seriously, but they're they're more seriously evaluating whether or not we have a shot at the title and it's like we're not really trying to do that. Like so just just let us have this for now, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like the media is itching for the build us up just so they can mock our fall kind of moment. Like, that's a good story to see Spurs collapse. That's fun for everybody. Uh, and it might happen. You know, like, we might not go the distance. We probably won't go the distance. Man City exists. You know, like, they're an unstoppable juggernaut. The way they reeled in Arsenal last year was very fucking impressive, and there's no reason they aren't capable of doing that to us.
0: Oh, well, I have a reason. Um, you seen their pre-match, their pre-match fit that they wore, were wearing today? Those like varsity sweater things, like
1: no, the Champions League good. isn't a real competition if we're not no, in it. I don't care. Fair enough. I don't even know that it's happening. As far as I'm concerned, they've taken a season off. Um, but Brexit think, means ter- Brexit. <laughs> you know, the thing about like our quality of schedule is is the League is won and lost by rolling up points against the bad teams. Like, you know, as long as you play a reasonable record against the teams around you, you know, win a few, lose a few, like whatever, it's fine. It's fine if we, you know, lose to Liverpool the next time. It's fine if we lose to Chelsea. Like that happens. Everybody, everybody loses a couple games to like the big teams around them. But so far. that hasn't happened yet. And what has happened is we have won all of the points that you're quote unquote expected to win, which is a thing that, you know, you can't take for granted. We don't always do all of these teams, even the really bad ones are stumbling blocks. Arsenal drew against Fulham, you know, first, first week of the season. Uh, You know, it's a, it's a game you can easily drop points in and not doing it is credit to what we're doing this season. And, uh, you know, until we start losing a lot of games badly or playing badly against bad teams, I'm not going to be concerned that we're not exactly where we're supposed to be.
0: Well, Brian, I mean, look, if if
2: all we did was beat the the bottom 14 teams and I we, we can't if we, we win every game against them, which we can't do because we drew against Brentford or whatever, but like that's 84 points for those matches. And I mean, that that is in most seasons definitely enough for top three, you know, and, you know, in a season where there's only, you know, maybe Liverpool isn't up to challenging city or Arsenal isn't up to challenging city. Maybe that's good enough for second. I mean, if you throw in a couple of draws and a win or two here against the top six, like which we already banked against Liverpool, you know. I don't know. I, I, I it's that's not what's going to happen. But you guys are absolutely right. Like, win the games you're supposed to win. That's,
0: uh, you know, that that's all we can do. But here's what's convincing to me is, like, Brian, a few minutes ago you mentioned Arsenal last year. I mean, I think if you want to, like, feel good about Spurs this year, you look at Spurs last year. I mean, we were in, like, the top three until February last year, which is kind of hard to believe considering everything that happened. But I don't think any of us felt good about this team You know, I think we spent the whole first month or two being like, oh, well, when's it going to click? And then you started lying to yourself about like, well, maybe it can click now. Maybe after the World Cup, they'll get their act together. Maybe after the international break, they'll get their act together. I mean, last year's Spurs was the definition of a team. I mean, that just felt fraudulent, even as they were like racking up points early in the year. They were just squeezing out these wins that just didn't look convincing. And I think that's the difference to me is like you watch the Spurs team this year and it's. You know, I'm sure we're gonna have some ugly games. I'm sure we're gonna loot drop points. I am sure we're you know, we're not gonna win the title, even though we're gonna win the title. But um, you know, the performances have been convincing to me. And that's where I've been a little surprised by seeing people sort of just because we shifted down a gear in the last like 30 minutes of this match, everyone's kind of writing off this performance. And, you know, I don't think any Spurs fan should get sniffy about frankly, comfortably taking points against bad teams. Like, I mean, we've all been in, we've, we've watched, we've all watched enough Spurs teams that were pretty good, not be able to do that, that, you know, I don't don't think we should turn our nose up at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll say the thing that I've said many times on this pod already is the concern is the depth, you know, we are a thin first 11 that is fantastic. And beyond that, I don't know how good our backups are. You know, we played the beef team against Fulham in the cup and we looked ragged and those guys came in to close out the game and we looked ragged again. And, you know, yes, in theory, when we call on a backup, we're going to, you know, bring in one of these guys and not five of them. And, you know, that definitely changes the composition of the team and and changes, uh, you know, the, the demands from a guy like, you know, Skip or Brennan Johnson or Lo Celso when they're just being plugged into an otherwise first choice 9-10 guys versus half the team has now been rotated and, you know, your key players aren't there and, and it doesn't look good. But that, that said, they did not look good, you know, but like we keep... I, I-
0: I think that's part of how we're being, they're being used, though. Like you were saying, like you look at I – mean, I'm going to jump ahead a bit because we're going to talk about him. But look at Hoiberg, who, like, played pretty well. Like, I don't know if he wasn't as good as Basuma, but, like, you know, you were pretty – if he was our defensive midfielder for the next month, you'd feel pretty all right about it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, but he's in a, hes in basically our starting 11. And I just would like to see more guys like Johnson and Lo Celso, And maybe not the rest of them, but at least those two guys in, you know, surrounded by mostly the first team and see how that goes, preferably as starters. But even in key game situations, because I feel like, you know, when you just bring them on as sort of like, you know, the you know, the legion of substitute heroes, it's it's just, you know, it's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. Not everyone's clicking together. I don't know.
1: No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. But I mean, Hoiberg, I think, has been kind of like our 12th man and this season and has acquitted himself very well before today or before Monday. Um and you know he's a guy prior to last year was never I think a a star for us, but it was always a dependable, reliable guy. I know people hate Heuberg and I kind of, you know, got sick of him last season, but you know, with a little rest we're kind of seeing
0: him back to his best. Or and, in a or in a tactical setup that isn't like designed to destroy your soul.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. You know, and he is looking good. And you know, I am hopeful that like we play our starting eleven minus somebody and Brennan Johnson comes in and he looks like a useful player. I'm hopeful that, you know, Madison has had injury issues in the past. I am hopeful that, you know, if we give Gio 90 minutes here and there in those circumstances with a full team around him, he can demonstrate that he is a capable understudy. But so far we haven't seen. That. Well, and I like think we saw Arsenal's title challenge last year fall apart specifically as injuries caught up with them and their backups had to come in and guys like Rob Holding or whoever, you know, were just not up to it. And That's going to be the big test for us. Like, I know talking about the title is silly, but like whatever our goals are, it's the backups are going to have to be contributors. And that's the big question mark right now. I feel if our first 11 stayed fit and fresh all season long, I would not I would not say it's crazy that we could win the title, but that's not going to happen
2: yeah i mean we're already managing you know sun injuries and you know we're already you know doggy might might have picked up a knock like you know we're we're already dealing with just stuff and you know like ben said we we don't know how good some of these guys are whether whether it's because they haven't played with the full 11 or just because some of them just haven't put together any sort of performance when given the chance. Um, But I think, you
0: know, I think Johnson's an example for this. Like I know Ben hates his guts and he wasn't great against Arsenal, but he still created like three real chances in that game. You know, I mean, was probably a little unlucky not to score on that shot that led to, um, I think it was son's first goal in that match. But like, I think you can see what happens when these guys get like, they get starting minutes, they get, real important minutes with first team players that isn't just like you know sort of the b squad but anyway i want to talk about some of the guys who did start we don't need to keep harping on about the other guys because i think we all agree depth is going to be a key issue for this team this year um let's stay on Hoyberg, um brian i mean i thought he acquitted himself well ben mentioned he's been sort of our 12th man this year but i think he stepped in a lot of pundits before this game were talking about how much they thought we might miss Basuma. I mean, if Basuma's going to miss a game, you know, missing a game against a bottom dweller like Fulham, you know, is probably for the best. Uh, but I thought, you know, other than like there were certain things you could see our back line had to recalibrate a couple times, but they have enough space not to worry about it. But how do you feel about Hoyberg in this match? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think he's fine. Um, you know, I think he can play all the roles in that midfield and, you know, he had to go in and play the the six and, you know, he's not as good under pressure as Basuma is, but he wasn't under any pressure from Fulham. They, they weren't really trying to, um, you know, force him into doing things. And, and if he has time on the ball, He's a better passer than Basuma is, and, you know, he, he hit some nice passes, um, and he just looked generally pretty good and calm. Um, I think, you know, if, if any of our midfielders are hurt and, and Hoybjerg is the option to replace them, I'm mostly fine with that. Like, obviously, there's a drop-off in level between him and Basuma, but, like, that is kind of how it works with backups. So, like, it, you know, he's he's a professional. I, you know, he'll always be ready. He's, um, you know, I think he's a good of the, the like the team dynamic and everything. So I, I don't know. I, I'm fine with him playing, you know, whether it's for Sar or for Basuma. Like, he, he's he's perfectly capable of coming in and doing a job.
0: I I got a hot take. I think he should start against Palace. I think you know if. Given the, you one of those like, guys. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a yellow card away from getting, um, you know, missing a game. Like I'd rather have Basuma against Chelsea. Ben, you're the you're the fancy football freak here. I'm I'm not incredibly. Wor- I mean, I'm worried about Palace in the sense that I'm a Spurs fan and I believe any game could go off the rails, but you know, I'm not particularly worried about Palace. So like. You know, if he's going to get time on the ball and can, his passing range is a little bit better than Basuma's, like, I think he's probably more useful in this game than he is against Chelsea. I'd start, I'd start Hoyberg against Palace and save Basuma and make sure Basuma can play against Chelsea. Yeah,
1: I don't think that's an unreasonable take. I think Palace are pretty dire. They are not uh, a very, like, robust uh, team. They
0: don't have a lot of. Don't like fire since they're dire. <laughs>
1: They are dire. (laughs) They, I mean, you know, they're missing, uh, they missed Ole's all season and Eze's injured as well. And that's a lot of their drive through midfield. So like the kind of guy you want Basuma out there to prevent in transition doesn't exist right now uh, for Palace. So yeah, I think think that's not stupid, but I think I, I would be surprised if Ange does that.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I want to use this. I feel like we've done this before this year, but I do feel like it's being sort of under-discussed, uh, just how back son is. I mean, he's been great at center forward, and we talked about it, and clearly they were like not all in at the beginning of the season. He's been so good. And Ben, do you think it's an important adjustment with his age and how clearly he needs his minutes managed with between injury and just stamina? Um, but he's been so good. I mean, he's like his plus finishing is back. I mean, everyone who sort of wrote him off last year, it clearly seems to me like injuries were, and maybe, you know, Conte being a terrorist is a little bit of what was going on. I mean, that was, that first goal was classic son. I mean, him just whacking it into the corner, um, you know, generating a ton of power out of nowhere. I mean, he really is playing well as a center forward and I don't think he's as good as King. Cause I don't, I don't think he can do as much as Kane, but I think he's a great fit. I know Nathan Clark from the Extra Inch talked about this but in the preseason, how that he might really fit Ange's system in this role, but he's been a great fit for Ange's system in this role. And even in a match like this, where I thought, um, you know, I, I thought the sort of son running on to stuff, oh, that's not going to be as effective against a team like Fulham. Like I think he still was a very good play. I mean, he had an assistant a goal. It's hard to, you know, you can't criticize someone who had a good day like that, but... Yeah, I think he, he's just been great, and it's it's really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, what part? <laughs> what just talk about, son,
0: talk about Son under Ange. I think I think he's really regenerated himself in a way that not. I think we're I think we are taking it for granted. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this was particularly like strong performance from him. He had three shots, four uh, chances created. It's he is playing that role fairly dynamically um you know i think the big concern with him is he is not a back to goal guy he is not a hold up player he is not always great you know on the turn um but you know the way we play allows him to get touches in behind and allows him to come into the play late and you know whack shots from the top of the box where he is pretty unstoppable um but I think more than that, like you said, he's just very involved. He has struck up a very good relationship with James Madison. They they find each other very well. He is, you know, understands that he's a guy he can dish the ball too quickly and then find space, and Madison will withstand pressure and be able to give the ball back to him. Um, you know, I think, yeah, he he's that guy, and I think it can't be overstated how much injury and Conte were a hundred percent responsible for his decline in form last season. Like it, it I mean, he had, you know, post-season surgery. We talked, we learned about like the intensive running sessions prior to kickoff and every match. There's just like, you know, you wear an old injured man down like that. And
0: 30 year old, old man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> he's a miracle to even still be playing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know and, and and seems to recognize that like does the thing that like nobody did with kane when it's like hey we're up three no maybe we give this guy a break uh he's had chronic ankle injuries <laughs> you know like and he is not afraid to take son off and say you had a good day you know let's let somebody else see out the last 10 minutes
0: one thing i've noticed with son this year and brian i'm curious is your thoughts on this and i don't know if this is i'm Telling myself stories, or if this is real, but I feel like if there's a real difference this year in terms of things, Son is doing well. It's his interplay with it, with his teammates has been, I think, been markedly improved. And obviously, he's really struck up like a really strong relationship with Madison. But just the sort of the passing back and forth with his teammates, bringing other guys into play, that seems to be. Better than we've come to expect from Son this year. Am I imagining that or is that real? I think it's real, but
2: I don't know how much of it is like development from Son and how much of it is like this is just the system and that's what we're supposed to be doing now. Um, You know, with Conte's system, like the interplay was Kane and Son and that was kind of it because they were the only two players that were consistently getting into the penalty box and doing any attacking. And and so now where we are playing so much more front foot and we are playing, uh, you know, playing the ball around the perimeter of the opposition box, there are there's so many more opportunities for those little one twos for that sort of link up stuff. And, you know, I think I think Sun has been doing that much better. I agree with you. Um, but I think the team as a whole is doing that a lot better. I mean, even Richarlison in this game had some nice little link up stuff that he was doing. And, um, you know, I, I, think that that's more system than it is just the players. I think, you know, aside from last year when son was dealing with that injury and we all thought his touch had deserted him, I think he's always kind of been good at some of this interplay stuff. And, uh, you know, this is this and the partnership with Madison are really kind of, uh, allowing him to put that part of his game on display more.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, like I said, one of his, the weakest parts of his game, especially last year when he was injured, is taking the ball with a guy on his shoulder and trying to turn and beat him. Like, he's just not good at that. And we have just completely stopped asking him to do that. When he receives the ball on the half turn or, you know, with his back to goal – We have a system that provides support close by him. He's not like on the wing, isolated, one on one as an outlet ball, and like has to now turn and beat a man and create space to allow opportunities to happen further up the pitch. He has support from you know Kulishevsky and Charleston. Madison and Sar, Udagi and Poro, like they're all of these guys are all converging on the space around him. So wherever he gets the ball, if he is not in a situation that like he is comfortable, you know, with space in front of him to run or to get a shot off, he knows that there are guys that he can dish it to, and they will look for him if he moves into a better field position to collect the ball in, in the in a way that plays to his strengths and. The whole team is structured to facilitate stuff like that for everybody, but in a way that's particularly beneficial to to Sun and maximizing the sort of strengths that he brings.
0: I think that's one of the interesting things about Ange, which is, and I think it's been a little overlooked, is I, I, maybe going back to early Pochettino, I feel like he's the first Spurs manager we've had in a while who just doesn't ask players to do things they're bad at. He really seems to be like, either focusing on better players or focusing on and focusing on those players' strengths. He's, you know, it's not like Mourinho or Conte just trying to like hammer, you know, square pegs into a round hole. I mean, it's really like, okay, well, these are the things I want you to do. I mean, you see it with Madison, like, I mean, he's cut so much of the fat out of Madison's game for lack of a better term. I mean, it's really, I think, you know, I mean, he's a good example. Of he's just, like, he's really kind of cut it down to, like, what you're good at, what I want you to do, and what I expect that you can do. And he's not, you know, asking him to do stuff that, you know, is wasteful or that he just isn't able to accomplish. And, um, you know, jumping back to son, I think you can see that he sort of understands how to use him. And it's really... I mean, there's a lot that's refreshing about the Ange era, but that's one of the things that's most refreshing to me is like we're not just constantly trying to make things happen that aren't clearly aren't gonna happen.
1: Yeah, and I think that's particularly impressive given that Ange is kind of a dogmatic system guy. You know, it's not it's not like he's just like looking at the players and saying, like, how can I beautiful mind my way into, like, making this line up into something that works. He's like, this is how we're playing, and this is what I want everybody to be doing, and here is how this role can be tailored to your strengths so that you're, you know, bringing all those positives and, like, we're hiding those negatives without having to change the overall shape of his approach. And that's been really impressive. Like, I mean, there have been tweaks with guys where like their games have changed in ways like Pedro Porro, I think is a a great example of a guy who seemed too limited to do the things he's been asked and he has been asked to do those things and he is just doing them better. So it's not, I think purely, you know, throwing out his, his desires to accommodate players, but he is getting it from both ends where he's sort of minimizing the bad things that, that they do and also getting them to do those things better.
0: He's he's also not persisting with, you know, I don't think Pedro Porro would be starting still if he just couldn't do some of these things. You know, it's he's not persisting with which we saw under Conte. It's like Emerson Royale, you're going to fucking figure this out and we're going to keep this up until you do. Like, you know, it's it's he is finding the players that can do what he wants and sticking with it and. I don't know. Like I said, especially after Conte, who was just like, this is the way we're going to play and you're going to keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, you're going to keep doing it some more until you do make it work. It's just beatings
1: will continue until morale.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's an improvement. Uh, We have some questions I want to get to. But before that, uh, I think there's one other performance that deserves uh, some recognition, which is uh, Vicario of Venom. Um, Another just, you know, he didn't have a ton to do, but full in the midst of not having a very impressive performance, got off two decent shots in the course of the match. And he just did a great job with both of them. I mean, what a smart signing he's turning into. I I don't, I don't know if any of Spurs fan would rather have Raya than him. I mean, he was cheaper and I frankly feels like a better fit for the team. I mean, he's got a big personality in a good way. Like he seems like a nice weirdo, but he sort of gels with the team and, you know, the the fact that he costs like 12 million pounds less doesn't hurt either or however much it was. Uh, I don't know. It's just another, you know, I, 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 I think it's kind of stunning. We bought Empoli's keeper, made him our starter over like the French number one. And, you know, I don't think any of us have been particularly angry with him at all this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think many of us knew what to expect out of him this year. But if you'd have asked me, you know, kind of seven, eight, nine games into the season, if he would be joint leader in, in the league in clean sheets, I would not have guessed that. Um, you know, I, I think stylistically we're, we're so different than what Empoli was doing. And I mean, we, we all talked about this, uh, all the Spurs podcasts, us included, talked about this this summer when we signed him. Like, we just you know we were hoping that people who were doing the scouting for Tottenham were smarter or had some in-house analytics that they knew like cuz he didn't quite the same way that you know Raya did on some of the 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 shot stopping or the 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 xg numbers um, and you know I, I i still think you know he he has some mistakes in him like he's made some errors but like most of them haven't led to goals and you know and 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 the thing that he's such a, a vast improvement in is just his ability with the ball at his feet I mean we've talked about it before he's calm on the ball he's willing to take an extra touch to try to open up a passing lane you know he's he's not doing like crazy Ederson style 60 70 yard passes but like He's just making sure that Basuma or the center backs get the ball and that they're able to then progress the ball upfield. And shot stopping has been so far pretty great. I mean, you know, he makes some really incredible saves. And, you know, like you said, Greg, I mean, he made a couple in his full match where you're just like, man, that the, that is just really good to get down low and get a hand to that. And, you know, it's, it's been a real surprise.
1: Yeah. That save from like from distance their first, like it was not a great chance, but he hit it really well and put that right in the corner. And I thought that was surely it. And we're going to have to dig ourselves out of a hole. And I, I couldn't believe the way he flew across the goal like that. Um, if he did nothing but the shot stopping, like I would be perfectly happy with the guy we bought. And like Brian said, he's giving us so much more. Um, you know, I think the thing we bought him for seems to be that that distribution or that that comfort on the ball. And it's the shot stopping that is maybe the surprise to everybody. Uh, you know, in preseason he was not saving anything. <laughs> we were seemingly conceding on every shot on target and since the season started he has just been pretty immaculate uh it's yeah we're, we got very lucky whoever found that guy i know scouting goalkeepers and scouting outfield players is a wildly different proposition but <laughs> that guy get, should get a raise and maybe some more responsibility
0: it's honestly i was a little surprised we got um our new director of football launch i guess is how you say his name i'm not sure but um considering, like, Spurs has seemed to have a very, like, cohesive transfer strategy this past window, and, you know, I don't know exactly what that is. If that's, like, Don Fabio, like, just going out and getting guys, named, you know, long may he be our consultant, but, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only Spurs fan who is worried, like, I mean, it, it's kind of easy to forget how good Hugo was, given that we just sort of watched his decline over the last two seasons, but he was excellent for, like, a decade for us. And we just didn't really have to worry about keeper, our keeper very often. And the fact that we have another guy who in theory could just be with Spurs for an extremely long period of time. And both has like the talent and you know, the personality to sort of fill that role in the team is really exciting and cool. And it's just such a, I mean, I, I think he's just wildly exceeding our expectations in terms of what we thought we were getting. And it's really a pleasant surprise. On that note, I think it's time to turn to some questions. I uh, have been um, getting challenged to help Spurs fans transition to blue sky on social media as we... all hate what elon musk is doing to twitter uh by one of our most loyal listeners unfit for purpose so this week i decided to see what they would give us if i asked for questions over there and i am actually kind of surprised uh that they uh sort of answered the call we got a lot of really good questions over there i'm going to start with one from the man himself uh even though he has a dark wing duck avatar which you know i don't know what that says about him but Unfit for Purpose, he wants to know, um, is Giovanni a mult a valuable multi-role player who can be plugged into several parts of the system? Or is he a master of no trades that we need to move on uh, from the team? Uh, ben, I feel like the summer of 2019 looms heavily in all of our consciences, but heaviest in yours. Uh, what do you think of Lo Celso and his future at Spurs?
1: Look, I am an Ndombele guy. That's my guy. Yeah, I was you making you are the Los Celso. I was making player. a fat joke. That's oh, okay. What I was doing. Um Yeah. So I I believe I want to believe in Los Celso so badly. Like I was very excited when we signed him. He has looked so good everywhere else he's played, except for Spurs, other than like the first like half season that like he was maybe our best player. Um I have no idea. I have no idea if he can be a useful contributor. Like, he is just always injured. It is just the timing never works out for him. I think, you know, like like I said earlier, you know, we've never, even in his cameos for us, even in his start for us, like, he has not shown that he is capable of doing anything uh, in this system. And I just, I look at the player and I know what he's capable of. And I am still unwilling to quit on him. You know, if at the end of the season we got nothing out of him, obviously we got a cut bait, but I still, I would still bet that he will impress us within the next nine months or however long we have left.
2: I'd take that. No way that he is at all useful for us at any point this year. Like... (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, he is like Oliver Skip level in the pecking order right now, and you know, uh, it's just look. I I I want to dream on him as much as you guys do. I'm maybe you know uh, not as taken by him because I'm not deeply invested in his play for Real Batiste in the way that Greg is. Um, but uh, you know, like I. I We just haven't seen anything from him to demonstrate that he's actually going to, you know, pick things up and and play well for us. And and so, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on in January. And, yeah, maybe he goes back to Spain and he plays an important role for a team there or whatever. But he's just not going to do it at Spurs.
0: I'm skeptical. He's going to do it at Spurs. But what I want to see, I talked about it earlier. This man needs to, like, we need a match against a Crystal Palace or a Fulham or fucking whoever that isn't, like, Chelsea or Liverpool. And he needs to start with, like, eight out of 11 of the regular first-team guys or more. Like, he needs to, like, we need to decide we're giving Madison a rest or whatever. I don't want Madison to get injured because I think he's been incredible. And he's, like, the most Spurs player we've had in a decade. But like Matt, like LaCelso needs to play with most of the first team, this whole, like you're going to come on with the B squad in the 60th minute shit, like just isn't going to fly. Or even like, I don't even mind if he's a substitute, but he needs to be a substitute at a point where the game state matters. And most of the rest of the team is in there. And it's not with like three other guys who are coming in and we'll just fucking see what happens. And I think you could probably say this about Brandon Johnson and like five other guys on our bench, but you know, in terms of Lacelso, like I mean, he need, like if I was if I was Ange, I would be looking for a game where it's like we are going to give Madison a rest and we are going to put Lacelso in and just see what he can do. And if Lo Celso is a fucking disaster, we'll bring Madison in like the 50th or 60th minute or whatever. Um, he, I think he needs the opportunity, but I am not encouraged by what he's done with the opportunities he's gotten. Um, I think it, there is something to that. So um, our next question comes from William Henry Morris. Uh, I assume that's what the WM stands for. He wants to know, is Son the player from the poacher era that we're going to end up having the fondest feelings for when all is said and done? I think yes. I think clearly. I think, I think Kane has a certain, I mean, the talent is there with Kane. And I think to English fans, particularly if he continues to perform for the English national team, he's going to maybe mean something different. But I think, especially if we do things under Ange in the next two or three years, I mean, I think Son has demonstrated a loyalty and an enthusiasm for this club that's going to make it hard not for it to be him.
2: I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of affection for, for so many of those guys. Like, and, and, I mean, I just don't know, like... I, I think we'll probably remember Kane as being the best player and son will maybe be you know the one who was the most lovable or whatever or or the one who who brought us the most joy. But like I don't know, we all we all on this podcast have a have a great affection for Eric Lamella, and you know we have I, have, I love Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, and you know I, I I think that's one of those hard things. I think I think universally everybody will will love son and he will be remembered as a club legend but like i don't know I, I don't know that i have more affection for him than i have for Lamella.
1: i think the thing with son is he's the only guy left who has a chance to build on that legacy and there are a lot of guys who have tarnished their legacy you know like you talk about hugo Lloris's decline eric dyer's decline um Harry you Kane's
0: know, just Harry demeanor. Kane's
1: snake attitude, you know, <laughs> like, there's a lot of guys who played in that era who went out on top, you know, like Moussa Dembele and Vertonghen and Alderweireld that, like, I mean, you know, those guys were, were tremendous.
0: Didn't sour like, feelings, I think. Yeah, I, like, I wouldn't say Musa Dembele went out on top, but yeah. I think mean, he went on saying.
1: top, but it was like, he declined, we moved him on, there were no hard feelings, we were grateful for his years of service. Yes, yes correct. We, we'll, we'll love him forever. You know, it's not like he, we had to watch him be bad for like years afterwards. Uh, and like, you know, the guys who were not part of the intervening four years, I think, will be remembered very fondly. Um, you know, I'll always love Christian Erickson. Deli Alley has gotten kind of like make-a-wish kid treatment in a way that is a little uncomfortable these <laughs> oh my days. God. Like, no, I mean, I mean that. No, I get what you're like, right, Like, but that, that's a harsh way to put it. Like, well, look, I, I love Deli, but like he got bad and people were fucking nasty. I, I, I don't think I'm exempt from that for a time, but I was also like definitely like, Jose, he has something to give, you know, bring him back. But Deli's reputation definitely experienced that decline and is kind of only now once his like story has gone public have people like rehabilitated him in their minds. And, you know, that's good and shitty at the same time. I don't know. A lot of guys left it with a complicated legacy. My point is, is Sun is the guy who can take that legacy and turn it into a new era. Of, you know, he is the foundation of the Ange era, and that is what separates him from everybody else on that team.
0: I mean, yeah, I think you guys make a great point in that the thing that is working in Sun's favor is he might not be defined by a single era. And, you know, I mean i have a lot of love for son that that is a man who extended it at a point where he absolutely had no good reason to do so and i think you compare i mean son to Kane in terms of enthusiasm and feeling and i know it's all bullshit and performative but like it feels a little different to me at least as a fan and you know, how much he loves being here and the way he talks about the club and the way he celebrates on the pitch and the way he interacts with his teammates, it feels different. Uh, I think so. Maybe technically the answer to this is yes, but um, I don't know. I think you guys make a good point that he might transcend errors just by virtue of his longevity. And the fact that he's still, if not in his prime, I think he's still in his prime. I think that's fair to say, but he's still like contributing at an extremely high level. Whereas, I'm not sure anyone else from the, I mean, aside from Harry Kane, anyone else in the Pochettino is capable of doing that, let alone is doing it. So, um, but, 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 What is the notorious M-I-Z ones to add? No, what is the least sustainable thing we're doing? Playing off our conversation earlier about um, what's going on. Uh, Brian, what do you think the least sustainable thing that we're doing as a team is? Um, I think probably the least sustainable thing is like
2: our injury luck so far. I mean, you know, we, we've had no major first team players suffer, you know, injuries that is going to keep them out for four to six weeks or something like that or longer. And I think pretty much every other big team has at least a couple of those. You know, and and that's really going to be kind of the defining thing for us the rest of the way. And and Ben and I touched on it earlier. You know, that's what kind of ruined the Arsenal title challenge last year is their injury luck at the end of the year. And so, yeah, I think keeping our players healthy is the least sustainable thing we're doing right now. Um, And uh, but, you know, long may it continue.
1: Yeah, to that end, and to be more specific, the thing, as I've said every week I think, on this podcast, is Mickey Vandevin is inhuman in what he covers for us in, in just insane superhuman speed uh, that surely can't last. Like, it's so, like he's going to miss once, like... He can't keep doing that. And even if he can, he's going to miss a game, and we're going to have to figure out a real uh, new way of playing because no one else can do that.
0: Uh, going off what Brian was talking about, Andrew wants to know which position is the most important to reinforce come January. As center back, I think, are we all in agreement that it's center back? Brian, is that Brian? Oh, oh, yeah. We're playing all the hits Damn. tonight, fellas.
2: I was so close. I don't know. You haven't mispronounced any names
0: yet. I appreciate, you know, I don't know if I, maybe I don't appreciate your commitment to the bet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Podcasts are probably better if I didn't do that. But who knows? Uh, (laughs) We're not getting paid for this. Um, Let's see. Uh, What was I saying? Um, So I think it depends on what you mean by reinforce. And by that, I mean, like, are you signing a player for depth or are you signing an obvious first teamer? And because like I think our the easiest way that we can improve our first 11 is to find a star winger like uh, like a, a star left winger that can come in and dribble and beat a man and also get shots. And so Bernie and,
0: Sanders, you want a star left winger. That's what we
2: need. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And um, but if we're just talking about like depth. You know, then yeah, like a backup center back or a backup like eight ten is is probably the best way to reinforce.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with Brian. It's the star winger is like the clear
0: upgrade in the squad. Typical Ben. wants the star left winger in the club needs another. I take a star right winger.
1: winger. I think you know <laughs> there's an unfortunate conversation to be had about Kulishevsky. Uh, and his levels of performance are not, like, significantly better or even necessarily as good as what we're getting out of Richarlison. You know, he has developed a severe shooting allergy um, that is just maddening to watch. And in this game
0: particularly, it was like... Yeah, but weirdly, I have more faith he'll overcome it than Richarlison's. uh,
1: Yeah, look, I love Kuliszewski. I still believe he's going to become a star, but... (laughs) <laughs> like the man needs to fucking shoot the ball when he is presented with the
0: opportunity. He is
1: just—I don't know—I don't know if Andrew's just telling him to like look for the better pass, but like I think fucking I think that's
0: what's happening. I think, but, or at least he's telling, emphasizing to look. Anyway, for the
1: pass. my point is, is I would take a star right winger. Also, like the wide players in our front three are the weak points of this team, and you know, that's... a. Uh, Seems a churlish to say about a team that is scoring as freely as we are, but gotta, gotta fix that. Yeah.
2: And I mean, Um, we did just spend a ton of money on Brendan Johnson, so maybe we're not going to go back
0: to that same. Well, I don't think we're going to do it in January and we still have Brian Hill. I think Brian Hill—I I simultaneously think Brian Heel is not good enough for a top-half Premier League team, and he is weirdly well-suited to Ange's tactics. Um, That's probably Cope on my part, but— He's shortballer. Like, we don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we got a few months to figure it out. Uh, Giovanni LoCliffo wants to know, uh, which member of the squad has the best put-together Halloween costume and which has the worst?
2: Um, the best is probably going to be, like, Sonny, right? Like, he's got a
0: team to, like, style him for. Oh, I think it's going to be Emerson. Like, Emerson's the guy who's going to pay the team to put it together, have, like, a (laughs) video made. Like, you know, Emerson's going to, like, put the work in and have the compilation video of, like, the makeup process. And then, like, him scaring his teammates. Like, I think it's Emerson will have the best costume.
2: Yeah, and then which would be like skip presumably
0: it would be starting right back as his incredibly scary costume, but you know, yeah. Madison's the worst for me. Like, loves the guy.
2: English guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, Madison has that you know his like big man at the roast kind of attitude. He thinks he's clever and funny and whatever. And I can just see him coming up with just the worst half-baked, somehow tasteless, and just like, just really poorly conceived Halloween costume.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of what's like the tasteless costume this Halloween, and I'm coming up blank on it right now. I feel like it should be obvious because it usually is it's usually like the Steve Irwin with the stingray sticking out of him or something gross like that. But, yeah, I can see Madison doing that. Yeah, I, I think it's Oliver Skip, probably just
2: because I don't know. Oliver he, Skip he, would just he, like
0: dress up like a mummy and call it a day or something like that. I don't think he would put a lot. He'd
2: in. like throw on a jersey from his favorite sports team and be like, who's a soccer <laughs> player? I'm
0: David Beckham. Look, my hair's floppy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's low effort, but I think low effort is, is also generally bad.
0: Uh, Opus is, I'm sorry. I don't know how to say this name, uh, on blue sky wants to know, he says, T- uh, the extra inch in of dealer radio collaboration seems obvious and should be done. If not, what is your excuse? We've done a few podcasts with them and we went on vacation with their host. Uh, I'm not and sure how everybody much-
1: else got to enjoy that vacation by proxy, thanks to Pedro Poro. Yeah, so you're welcome.
0: So, you know, I mean, th- for excuse, like we should obviously do this again. So I think we should start a GoFundMe for, you know, them to send all of us to some southern European country to scout a player who might be good for Spurs that we can will into existence again. Uh, no, we love those guys. We'd love the podcast with them. Honestly, the only reason we haven't is I'm lazy and don't want to organize logistics. So, um, we can go to Croatia and watch that
2: 17-year-old that Outstanding plays for-
0: idea. Let's all go to Croatia and drink some wine that we'll be completely insufferable about. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Uh, Windy, Nathan, Barty, if you hear this, let's do it. Um, let's see. What other questions do we have? Uh, Halloween Marcus wants to know, uh, which of the Wheeler Dealer radio crew will, will fill in uh, when, when there's injuries in the Spurs squad, and which positions will we fill uh, ben, do you do you have any deep thoughts about this? You were a left back, right?
1: I was, and I do sometimes have dreams that I am a left back for Spurs under Martin Yole specifically. For whatever reason, he's always my coach in these dreams. And I just can't move or run or do anything. They're like horrible nightmares. Um But I'm still like this like respected veteran in the squad that they put up with. This is like this is this is my My dream scenario is is like
2: yeah, really big aspirations.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, In terms of everyone's position, I think I think Greg's a keeper. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. You're big and lanky and kind of weird. Like that's that's keeper mentality. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Just like whispering to the p- opposition before penalty about how some artists run while on charge of Spider-Man was so much better than the original <laughs> stuff, and I can't I believe do, that they I, wrote I, out Mary Jane. I do Jane. have
0: strong thoughts about John ramita Jr. That's a good point. <laughs> Where do you think you would play, Greg? <laughs> I would, like, maybe center back. Like, I would just hit someone in the head and maybe spit on them. I don't know. I could see myself doing that. But keeper's fair enough. Like, yeah, I'm tall. That's, like, my big athletic attribute. I'm tall, so. I don't what know do you Brian-, think Brian would play. I mean, is Brian more center back material? He's he's stocky Midwestern, you know, guy. Like, I could see people – I could see him knocking over some, you know, like, a feet Portuguese, you know, like, striker. Or winner. Yeah, he's
1: our he's our Harry Maguire. Yeah.
0: Oh right. I, a... I played striker
2: in and defensive midfielder in high school. You're yeah. like Grant
0: Holt. Was that, is that what Yeah, yeah but What's yeah, like? I
2: okay. was I was not, it was more of a go stand in the box for corners type of situation. <laughs> uh it's it like was Grant not Holt. because Grant, I was Grant yeah, Holt. He's yeah, our Akinfenwa. Yeah, <laughs> it was not because I was particularly skillful on the ball or could shoot or use my left foot at all. Um but yeah, and then my senior year, they discovered that uh, I was pretty good about uh, at running around and slide tackling people. Um, so I switched to defensive midfield, and um, yeah, I, I don't think that the team would be very good if I had to play in the middle of the park. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose I could fill in for Romero uh, if I if we really really had to. Um, I am I am Mickey Van De Ven sized. But I, I definitely don't have his pace or his left foot, or his jawline either. He's got a very—he's a handsome boy. Face. If he had
0: like better hair, he'd be in really good shape. But yeah,
2: And if he wasn't Dutch,
0: but you know, well, you can't that control is, that. that. That is a problem. Um, on that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. I want to thank uh, Unfit for Purpose for forcing me to do this. He has a sort of starters guide if you're looking to get out of Twitter, um, and. Start over on Blue Sky. He's a starter's guide for Spurs fans to find other Spurs fans on Blue Sky. You should check it out. Um, I think we're all on there. So uh yeah. Um
1: there's also a platform for if you're looking for an invitation or have extra invitation codes, uh helping people migrate using that. So
0: and and he's on Twitter doing that. So check that out. Uh he better appreciate me for this because one of these days he's gonna have to appreciate me for something. Uh Ben, Ben, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky not <laughs> saying anything yeah. at Comrade U Spurs and saying slightly more on Twitter
0: at Comrade U Spurs. Uh, Brian where can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. And if you DM me, I do have a couple of blue ski codes. Um, uh, so if you hear this episode, um, send me a DM and I'll shoot you one of my invites uh, where you can then follow me on blue sky at Brian Ashlock. No underscore. So enjoy do, that.
0: is there anything else you'll give them over DMs or just blue sky codes?
2: I mean, if they're gonna tip, uh, I mean, look, messages with tips go right to the top of the list, and then you can see my special <laughs> VIP OnlyFans page, which just. I thought photo- we were gonna
0: talk about black diamond slopes. No, it's just, it's just photos of me tip. in a
2: chirpy mask, you know,
0: and nothing else.
2: <laughs> just going skiing. The beak is actually really helpful for the whole process. So
0: I, I can imagine, imagine. Yes. By process, you mean keeping you free of disease, right? Like, Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Uh, you can also find me on Blue Sky at Skipjack. Just plain old Skipjack on Blue Sky. Uh, if you DM me or ask on Twitter, I've got a couple Blue Sky codes. I think we all do. So let us know if you need to get over there. Uh, I don't use it as much as maybe I should, but, you know, Elon sucks and there's probably worse things than getting away from him. So, Uh, yeah. uh, So for Ben, for Brian and of course, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.